This is Deep Dive. I'm Sui. In Asia, in the domain of fruits, they say there's a king here called Durian, but the king can be controversial. Durian haters would tell you the fruit stinks so bad, but for durian lovers, they're in for the sweet and creamy pulp that's hidden inside the spiky shell. Here in China, there's been a significant rise in the number of durian lovers over the past decade. Now China is the biggest buyer of durians globally. China's appetite for the fruit is growing, with some kinds costing more than 12 U.S. dollars per kilogram. China, the moment a container reaches them, is gone in two days. For this, I spoke with CGTN Bangkok correspondent Chowarad Unjiranen. This episode is brought to you on Friday, November 18th. Help us understand a durian. Like for me, I never heard of durian when I grew up, but uh, and also I never tried one uh, until late twenties. And but I heard a durian has quite gained its popularity across the entire world in recent years. So first of all, what makes it win over the palates of so many people? I guess it's the same thing with me and let's say avocado,、mm-hmm. yeah. uh, because I am a Thai person. I was born in Thailand. I, I've known durian for quite some time, and so it's not like a big thing for me. And、uh, it's amazing to see how there has been increasing interest in durian, whether it's in China or across the world. I think it still has potential to even grow even further.、Mm. Each an individual person who likes durian likes different types of durian, and it's true when some people say that you can compare it to wine. Or maybe sea urchin. Some people aren't used to it,、mm-hmm. but if you really love it, you really love it. So it really depends on your taste. You know, there's about three recognized durian species, like that are basically the, the trees that grow these durians. And so when you think about the variety that there are in the whole world, there's a lot. Even、mm-hmm. though it's based in Southeast Asia, in Thailand there's over 300 of、uh, varieties. Malaysia 100. You can't say, "Hey, I like durian." You really have to say, "Hey, which part of or what country the durian is from that you like?"、Hmm. A good example of different preferences for durian is Thailand.、Hmm. For example, if you're from the central part of Thailand, you would look for durian that's kind of like crispy outside and soft inside. If you're in the south part of Thailand,、uh, durians are usually, you know, the popular ones are young, like. Fresh, just picked off the the tree, and they're crispy and they're very mild in flavor. Whereas if you go to the northern part of Thailand, it has to be really soft and aromatic.、Mm. If you cross the border and go into Malaysia or Singapore, that's a totally different vibe because Malaysians and Singaporeans love their durians very smelly, very pungent,、mm. and very custardy. So it's hard to say as to、uh, what kind of taste is a preference for you. It's it's one of those things. If you taste it or if you smell it, you either love it、mm. or you hate it. All right, it's very interesting. I never heard so many species of durian. This is the first time. So when it comes to Chinese people, for example,、uh, last summer I went to a、uh, northern Chinese city, a small city, but. It's、mm-hmm. very interesting that、uh, durian is being sold on the street. It's like selling apples and oranges. So when did durian become such a popular product for Chinese people? 
From the Southeast Asian side, I think the observation that the Chinese tourists coming into Thailand were very interested in durian was very obvious from the get-go mm. since the early 1990s. Uh, but I think things really kind of got boosted and, and became more popular throughout the 2000s when you know, travel became more convenient. China started having more travelers coming out of the mainland, especially to Southeast Asia, because we're so close to China. We have such a, a close relationship with China. And so it's not a surprise that once they're here, they're, they've given that time to actually taste durian and, you know, be obsessed over it. And the thing is, in China, the temperatures are different, mm. and durian can only really be uh, good if it's at around like uh, not less than 22 degrees Celsius. Mm. So, with that in mind, between 2009 to 2017, presumed that it's mostly Thai durians, mm. but the import that China was importing in, you know, the durians that they were importing in, grew like fourfold mm. from 2009 to 2017. That's like a jump from around 100. 24 million US dollars to like 552 million US dollars. It's just, I think, the tip of the iceberg that we're seeing that, you know, it's there's more potential for growth. Mm. You talk about temperature differences. So I'm curious, how to ship the fruits in long distance? What makes bulk shipments of durians possible from Southeast Asia, for example, to the north part of China? Um, the the thing about shipping durian is you have to understand how do you prefer it or actually how do you change the form of durian mm. right now for exports there's four main categories fresh frozen paste or freeze-dried and the more you process it the more expensive it is freeze-dried is probably the, the, the most expensive. If you talk about the f distance in terms of how it is sent, there is a lot of process that has to go through. For example, uh, for if you take a look at the process that has been written about from a company, uh, Street Wallace, which is uh, one of the companies that is responsible for you know delivering fruits and vegetables in Southeast Asia, they say that the one thing is definitely is you need to have good quality durians from the get-go. And it needs to have uh, good hygienic standards. Uh, removing the dust and dirt from the durian is a must. And then afterwards, it's processed in a cryogenic freezing process where it's basically a very fast flash freezing process. It keeps the food very fresh. Basically, you use a uh, liquefied nitrogen mm -hmm. to pump into a chamber full of uh, durians, and that cools the durian to minus 100 degrees Celsius. And with that, the durians can be preserved for up to 18 months. Mm. For example, if you transport it to Europe, it could take like a matter of days, and then afterwards, you know, you just defrost it and you can eat it like a normal durian. Mm. I think the reason why Thailand is so popular in terms of exporting durian to China is because we're so close. Mm -hmm. And so like instead of freezing the durian, you can actually just uh, send it through the border on the road. And that's also another way that it can be shipped as well. Mm. The transport process, it's uh, a bit more complicated than I thought. Who are the, the main players? Uh, are they like big trade companies or just private farmers? As things get bigger, the bigger players are obviously big corporations. Uh, if you look at the process, 
from the past to the present in, for example, how hydroins were shipped to China, it has gotten more, you could say, participation from Chinese businesses. Hmm. For example, prior to the expansion of this market, durian, you know, came from the farms in Thailand. It went through middlemen collecting the fruits to export in Thailand. And then it went through an exporter in Thailand and then a distributor provider in China and then the customer. Hmm. Now though, because there's so much attention towards this trade, you have Chinese entrepreneurs or Chinese businesses coming into Thailand, hmm. making deals or forming a, a more tighter chain where now it starts with the farmers, of course. But when you get to the sorting and packing plants, it's already kind of like a partnership between Thai and Chinese businesses. Hmm. And then afterwards, you know, logistics, uh, that's also Thai Chinese. And then it, once it gets into the logistic providers in China, then it's uh, within the Chinese companies. Hmm. So you see that there has been an evolution definitely in how it's changed over the years. I heard the avocado business brought about some changes to local economies in Latin America. So similarly, let's talk about the spillover effect of the durian industry. What changes have the boom of durian trade brought to countries like Thailand? If you're a farmer in Thailand, you really have to be um, a strong person hmm. because you're the first person or, or the first entity that gets affected or impacted by any slight changes to a boom such as durian. My income has increased a lot from growing durians compared to 10 years ago. Profits from selling durians are also climbing by 40 to 50 percent every year. Durian prices also keep going up, even though prices of fertilizers have gone up this year because of what's happening in the world. I'm still happy with the profits from durian sales. And with the growth, we've seen ups and downs, you mm -hmm. know, especially if you had the COVID-19 pandemic, there was restrictions that had caused a lot of a uh, big vacuum. Durians don't just grow overnight. Mm -hmm. The better the durian, the longer or the older the tree it comes from. And these orchids or these farmers that, you know, have these durian trees, usually it's from generation to generation that it's passed on. And the better the durian is, it probably comes from, let's say, a tree that's like two decades old. Oh. So if you have such a boost of demand, obviously now people are taking away crops such as uh, rubber or banana plantations and, you know, farming durian. But then you have the problem of an oversupply and then people are very stressed about it because you can't sell it overseas at a certain time during, you know, COVID-19. Farmers were faced with COVID restrictions here in the country. A lot of people took out money to invest in their farms. Mm. So then they had to struggle financially. And this could have caused a lot of farms shutting down. So it was negative. But now, though, with the reopening of things, uh, the lessening of restrictions, uh, you're seeing that the farmers are coming out again. They're happy again, you know, releasing more durians to go overseas. One of the benefits, though, from COVID-19 is that it really has forced people to go online. 
if you were in the tech world has been very monumental because it was uh, beneficial for those who were already trying to move applications, uh, you know, or the mass adoption of applications or technology within the masses. And for Thailand, especially in Southeast Asia, a lot of people compared it to, you know, leapfrogging. Uh, people were basically very happy to transition into e-commerce, maybe perhaps because for Thailand and, and other developing countries, we moved right into mobile applications or mobile trading versus other countries in the United States, perhaps where, you know, they were so used to the traditional way of trading. So here in Thailand, <laughs> within a number of days, you could say, you found every sort of thing online. So for durian producers, it was no surprise that a lot of people went to e-commerce. You could say that you could trade it via platforms such as uh, Alibaba, but the biggest seller here in Thailand was live streaming because uh, Thai consumers really love to interact with the sellers. They they open up the the fruit. Yeah, and you can see it, and you can see the texture, and uh, you know you can just order within the chat live within seconds and then you know the next day you have that fruit that was shown on live online so it's really a game changer and what's so interesting is that now that we're at kind of like the post covid 19 pandemic stage people are still taking that further they're integrating technology they're integrating platforms online into the way that they trade the technology that has come out of it really is now elevating the durian trade, but it's hard to pinpoint saying like, oh, it's this, it's going to be good forever. Mm. Just like any product or any produce, it really depends on the economy and it depends on the weather and it depends on the demand. Mm. Apart from these uh, like seasonal fluctuations and things like pandemic, you also mentioned uh, Thai, Thailand's neighbors in Southeast Asia, like Malaysia, uh, they also are trying to cut a slice as well. So is Thailand seeing th their neighbors as competitors or a potential partners? They can do this business together and export more high quality products overseas. That's a very interesting question. For those in the Thai durian sector, we've always been very, you could say, confident mm. in the fact that we were the first to get FDA deal with China to be able to send fresh durian to China. The Thai Durian Association opened social media accounts to promote Thai durians. We're also calling for the government to step up the promotion of durians. Over the past 10 years, China had seen tremendous economic development, which is reflected on the enormous demands on the Chinese market for Thai durian. Now, though, with the relaxation of trade rules, such as RCEP, there are competitors that we're seeing coming in, whether it is uh, Malaysia or Vietnam or Laos. The exports keep growing. Some Chinese ports that we normally use to export our durians are now congested with trucks from Vietnam, which is also exporting durians to China. Therefore, the transportation process can drag on for a long time. So we changed to another port and also added sea and air freight. We estimate there will be more durian production next year. We will utilize the new China-Laos railway so that our durians can be shipped to China faster. But if you compare, though, the scale of exporting durian 
Thailand is still pretty much the main player, maybe because of our size, mm. uh, maybe because of the deals that we've made already from the very beginning. But uh, it, it's no denying that there's certain preferences to different types of durians. So in terms of the supply chain, if you have other countries making or producing durians, maybe that's a good thing for Thailand because right now, a lot of farmers cannot provide enough durians because of the weather situation, the financial situation in maintaining a farm to meet that demand for Chinese people who want durian. So in a way, it's a good thing that you have other countries that are stepping up and exporting their durians. On the other hand, though, durian is like different from each region. Even in Thailand, as I said, you know, if it's grown near the riverside or if it's grown in the north or the south, the taste is different. So really, it's like a partnership. It's more like a bigger range of durians that importers can choose from. And so you, you mentioned RCEP, RCEP. And we know the mm -hmm. APAC meeting is taking place uh, this week in Bangkok. I was wondering what kind of things the governments can do. Like how are events like APAC, this kind of high level talks, are they going to further elevate areas like jewelry and trade? The thing is, when we were talking about having this podcast together, I was, okay, I'm going to try and get some, you know, some interviews in. Uh, the thing is, no one's free. Mm. <laughs> this is with a week of APEC and no one is free in the Durian sector. Mm -hmm. I think it's because everyone is very much excited about APEC. Every everyone is very much excited to be back mm. and, and seeing people, networking. And so it's no surprise that APEC or, or similar events are beneficial to traders, especially for durian. And as I just mentioned, the Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership, or RCEP, has made it easier for China to import fresh fruits from Southeast Asia. And it's a really good test to see how this mega-free trade framework is going to expand or elevate trade such as that of a durian. It's rather new. I mean, uh, earlier this year, it just came out. What it means is that the elimination of tariffs and the agreement stipulates that, you know, customs clearance of perishable goods will basically be completed in less than six hours, mm. will be a game changer for the import of durian and other fruits. Because for durians, as I mentioned, it's the freshness that counts, right? A durian itself doesn't last that long. It's very perishable. So the faster the deals are made, uh, the easier things are made logistically, whether it is through the rail routes or shipments through the sea, the better it is for the company and farmers as well as the economy. Mm. Thank you very much. As the Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation or APEC Forum is taking place in Bangkok, Thailand, trade talks are story on the agenda. Organizers said they hope to refresh discussions on the free trade area of the Asia-Pacific at this year's event. They believe talks could help reconnect members and further facilitate free and open trade, a key for post-pandemic recovery. And that brings us to the end of this episode of Deep Dive. For more stories, you can subscribe to the show. You can also leave comments on your podcast platform to tell us what you want to know about China and the rest of the world. This episode is brought to you by me, Su Yi, and my colleagues Fei Fei and Zhang Zhang. Special thanks to CGTN Bangkok correspondent Chaorad Yunjinranen. CMG Thailand correspondent Li Min also contributed to this episode.
See you next time.